I would be uh, negligent in my duties if I didn't uh, take a moment to thank you at the beginning. Uh, it's a privilege to be here with you today. And it would be if we only shared our belief in the Lord Jesus Christ. If that was the only reason we were together today, that would be a privilege. But it's a special privilege for me to be here today because from the beginning, this congregation has supported me in the work that I've undertaken in Columbia. And I appreciate that so much. Thank you to the elders and to each of you for your contribution here. But it's more than that. There are members here who have taken it on themselves to become part of groups uh, that individually support workers in South America. And I want you to know I appreciate that so much. There are congregations in your life that are very dear to your heart, and it becomes more so as you get older. And uh, one of those congregations that some of you are helping is very dear to my heart. I've said before that when we go down there, it's like going to two and a half weeks of funerals. Because everywhere you go, you fall in love, and then you have to leave somebody. And you never know when you leave if you'll see them again. So I appreciate you so much. I appreciate the opportunity to be here today. Uh, I appreciate that you were here worshiping today despite the heavy hearts that are in this place. We're going to talk at the end of this lesson about total commitment to the Lord. It had not occurred to me when I was studying that we commit our times of happiness to the Lord and we commit our times of sadness as well. So thank you again for being here. Let me bring up some pictures to get moving. You've been in rooms like that probably. That's immigration in Bogota, Colombia, where my grandson and I, Nolan, and I were privileged to be on this trip together. Uh, how many of you have been to an amusement park? Raise your hand. You know that feeling when you wait in line back and forth and back and forth and you finally get to the door and you go around the corner and it's another room of back and forth and back and forth? Three times <laughs> that happened on this trip and so uh, I know that feeling and I felt it on that day. That's a very stressful time for me anyway. Once I get on the ground and I get started, uh, it's okay. I'm, I'm in the work. It's okay. I'm, I'm comfortable. But over the last two years especially, it's become more and more unsettled in Colombia, you might say. It's on the fringes. They try to hide it from me, uh, but it's there. And so as you approach this country, you, you feel this discomfort. Uh, and until you get past this point right here where they check your papers and they actually let you into the country, it gets more difficult. The other picture up there that's on your right is Brother Santiago and his girlfriend, Giuseppe. And the dog's name is Malou, if you're interested. Uh, Santiago has been helping me on these trips now for seven years. And it just would not be possible for me to do what I do without him. He takes care of everything, despite the fact that he is an 
incredibly employed young man. He works day and night for his job while he's with us and still takes care of all of our arrangements. So he's a very dear friend of mine. He makes these trips possible. He took us right into the work, then we get into it. It's town of Dos Cabradas. Uh, I, I don't intend to talk too much about congregations today. I want to talk more about people and then leave some congregations for Nolan to talk to you about this evening. I encourage you to come back and hear the second part of this. Uh, it was incredible to hear through his eyes and his ears what he experienced there. So, Dos Cabradas, two or three years ago, I was privileged to meet with a group of people in a home. Uh, they were thinking about starting a congregation, and this is what it is just three years later, which I find to be pretty amazing in a world today when people don't want to receive the gospel. Uh, but it's a little different down there. People have a way better attitude towards the gospel than we have in the United States of America, and I suspicion part of that is because of poverty. I think we just had too much. We'll talk some more about that in a little bit. At this location, Nolan also got his assignment. I had told him previous to the trip that he was to speak just like I did. I mean, you bring your sermons. We don't go on these uh, as a vacation. I told him that's what I was told on my first trip. And so I told that to him. But I told him after this first service, now your real job when you get down here is to find the young people and go and try to communicate with them. If you can't find any young people, then find somebody that's sitting alone and go and try to talk to them. And so you can see he went to right to work, and I was really proud of him for that. I seem to have lost my mind. In that area... Okay. In that area uh, is the area of Santa Rosa. Santa Rosa is where Santiago, our translator and travel guide, is from. And... Uh, I'll be back momentarily. Thank you. Santiago's father is a preacher and preaches in four or five villages all within an hour or two of where he lives. This is a very mountainous region. It's the coffee region of Colombia. And so he does very difficult travel uh, and just beats a car to death traveling around. But we met with their group and worship on Sunday morning. That's Santiago's family. And I want you to know, Christianity is a family affair. And it really struck me when I was looking at this picture and preparing this report. Because his daughter, she's the short one down there in the front, that's Laura. Laura told me that she grew up not thinking that they were going to go to church on Sunday. But that they were going to work for the Lord on Sunday. Because she said, as soon as we had dinner on Sunday afternoon, Dad would come in and would have our plans for the rest of the day. And we would spend the rest of the day going and teaching, visiting families, praying with people, visiting the sick. They dedicated their whole first day of the week. And every one of those children is a very faithful Christian today. Uh, we found out on this trip that quite often Santiago does not make our plans for the trip, as I had previously believed. But he passes those places on to his little sister and she puts together the flights and the hotel arrangements and all of those things for us. So, a working family. It's a pleasure to know them. Uh, Brother Carlos, that's the father, he lives in Santa Rosa and out his kitchen window I saw a vapor trail going up into the sky and I said, what is that, Carlos? And he said, oh, that's a volcano. So, it's active. 
Oh, yes. Opio, he said. Does that not make you nervous? No. I said, has it erupted ever? He said, well, yeah, a few years back it killed 3,000 people. But it can't reach this far. I don't know how he knows that. There's a lesson in there somewhere. Aren't we all living at the base of a volcano? I mean, we don't know when something is going to change in our lives. And we're just not going to have the opportunity we had before. Or our life will be over. Good man. We took off on a flight and we flew down to uh, Pitalito. Some of you here are helping uh, Brother Freddie Medina. Let me see if I can get his picture up here. He's the short guy in the light green shirt. Uh, struck me when I saw that picture. How tall? No, I didn't really think about that. But I hear, I ask him every once in a while, how do you know that we're Americans so quick? And he says, well, you're too tall. Brother Freddie lives in Pitalito. This was our first time going there because his congregation is there where he preaches. Uh, some of you are supporting him so that he can travel once a month down to Sagoon, uh, or Villa Garza, I'm sorry. Also want to mention, before I leave Pitalito, that we were greeted at the airport by this young lady driving the car. Her name's Karina. Just three or four years ago, Karina was hearing voices that were telling her to commit suicide. I, I, I can't relate to that. I've never had anything like that. But I know it happens to people. That those thoughts get so embedded in their mind that it's like somebody's saying that to you. And uh, she didn't know about the church. She didn't know much about the Bible. But she knew enough about right and wrong to know that there was a source of good and a source of evil and that that was coming from a source of evil. And she pushed it aside. And then she went out about her life. And within a day or two, she met Freddie in the street. And Freddie began to talk to her about the gospel. She's been a faithful Christian now for about two and a half years, if I understand right. And she took off from work to travel with us and to provide her car to haul us around the three or four hours away to the next city we needed to go to. And to uh, stay in a hotel and to take us from point to point while we were there. And... Uh, Probably most of you don't know this about me, but I'm not a big fan of dogs. I generally say they're good fry, but uh, I know uh, dogs in the car with us and five people at times, and a little bit of subcompact cars. But we did get around it and we got the job. Vita Garzon is a city uh, that just is full of amazing stories. They've been operating now for a couple of years since early in COVID without a preacher. Their young preacher died and died quickly at COVID, and uh, then his family moved away. And so they're operating without a preacher. But Brother Oscar, I would hold up as a person who is just amazing and a person who takes on the duty even though it's not his duty, even though it's not his job, he took on that duty. Uh, and while we were there, they took us around several places. Uh, you get to meet all kinds of Amazing people. We went out into the jungle to one of the members' sisters' homes. That's the picture on the right where you see the Bible study going on there. Uh, she's been attending church some, but not faithfully, and they wanted us to go out and study with her. She lives out in the jungle. We went to the end of the pavement, and then to the end of the gravel, and then onto a dirt path, and to the end of the dirt path. And in order to get the truck up to the house, we had to all climb out of the truck, except the driver, because it just couldn't get up there. We were where there was not a road when we were out there. Uh, 
And this is where she lives. You can see some of the produce there from the little farm they have and her fairly modern stove there that she cooks on. Uh, just a few years back, they had another little farm this summer. And the gorillas came one day and said, you have three days to get off this property or we'll kill you all. And the next morning, the gorillas were back and said, why are you still here? So they packed up and left. And for a while, she lived with her children on the street, begging for food and starving to death. Um, then somebody came along that offered them to live on this place. It's not there, but they live out there and they grow produce. And she is studying the gospel. So pray for her in your prayers tonight that she turns to the Lord. We also visited Jumbo. Jumbo is in, uh, they call it the Valley of Coke. Is a where they grow cocaine. And this group is characterized by just true joy. It's a pleasure to be with them because they are so happy to be there. They're a very interactive group, and I'm kind of used to that in Anderson. Y'all are kind of quiet when you worship. It's not as quiet in Anderson. When the preacher says good morning, the whole audience says good morning back. And that happens three or four times during our worship. There are several things that we interact with. This group, though, is just over the top for me. They are so happy about everything that you bring to them that's from the Scripture, and when they recognize it, they tell you they recognize it, and they're enjoying the worship, and they enjoy being with one another. That group is led by Edward, and uh, Edward is in an unusual circumstance right now. He's being supported by a church in Indiana, that is largely supported by one wealthy member. And that one wealthy member is getting ready to retire and move away. And so he's going to lose, I believe, all of his support. He's not asking for help. Instead, he and his wife have purchased these tent structures and some cooking equipment, and they now have a hamburger stand in the street that they operate three nights a week in order to pay their own way. Doesn't that remind you of Paul making tents? Uh, so, Really sweet family, really good place to, to be. Also visited a church in Cali, which I just wanted you to see that there are churches down there that are similar to yours. Uh, that's a big, nice, really in town. Uh, best I can count from their membership board, about 125 members. So it's a, it's a good group, self-supporting. And in the right-hand picture, you can see that it's being in the middle of the big city of Cali. It's surrounded by Constantine wire like a prison has to keep people from getting in. Or maybe to keep members from getting out. I don't know. <laughs> but this is a difficult place to be. But boy, they're making the best of it, And happily serving the Lord. We got to travel from there down to the Amazon. I wanted no one to see the Amazon. I have not had the opportunity to be there for three or four years. It's, things have gotten difficult in the little town of Leticia. That's a picture of Santa Rosa, actually, or in the right-hand picture, where we went across the uh, Amazon. Or so I thought on that day, when I was putting this report together, I got to studying the maps, and I realized, although we crossed a river about the size of the Mississippi, that was only about a third of the Amazon. We were actually on a large island, and there was a lot bigger river on the other side of the island, and we were on the cross. But we went over there to visit with some unfaithful members, and 
that picture on the left is the town of Leticia. That's in Columbia. At this point, you can go to one corner and be right there. I'll show you a picture of the signs in a little bit of Peru, Colombia, and Brazil. And so they're all just right there together. So we went over into Peru to visit this family, came back across, and uh, there's the family on the right-hand side that we visited. So you can see a picture there at the bottom of the boats and things. And five of us in the boat traveling across the river. In Leticia, they were, when I was there before, they had a congregation that met on the town square, basically. They had a storefront that they had rented, and it was a really nice location. Um, they've kind of come on hard times there. They've lost a preacher for a while. Uh, the group has uh, dwindled a little bit. And so they're now actually meeting in Tabatunga, Peru, which is the same town. We just walked the other end of town here in Peru. And uh, that's the preacher's house there. He's in the uh, teal colored shirt in the middle of the right hand picture. His name is Brother Enoch. Uh, Brother Enoch, at the beginning of, before COVID, became ill with some sort of a digestive disease. And he went to the doctor. They had to do surgery and they put in some sort of a drainage tube. Uh, not being a doctor and having language difficulties. I'm not sure what that tube was for. But you can imagine, you've had friends and family have things like that done. And when COVID started, that doctor packed up and left. And so there wasn't a doctor anymore in town. So after a period of time, he became fed up with it and he removed the tube. They said he yanked it out and survived. But he's still there preaching. And he's preaching on $150 a month. Even in Peru or Colombia, that's amazing. Uh, it takes $500 or $700 a month to survive. Right now. And he's doing it on one ticket. I don't know how he's doing it. But Brother Carlos, who was traveling with us, said that he was going to try to uh, get some help for that town so that they could have a better place to worship and uh, pay for the and maybe get back to the center of Leticia. We also visited Maria Sue Brazil. Uh, and after that service, Elson was baptized to become a member of our brotherhood. He's a son of one of the members. I think I explained before we got there. I'm not taking any credit on mine or Nolan's part for the preaching, but uh, it was a joy to be there again and to see the joy they had. Back in town, talking to Ian. All right, <clears throat> we had to have a, a down day or two in the middle, sort of a day and a half, as our brother who was traveling with us, translating for us, has an apartment in Bogota and works from there part of the time. He travels the world working. Three times during the trip, he would get us in a hotel at night, make sure we were securely locked in our rooms. He'd go to the airport and fly to the other side of the country and work all night and fly back and be there waiting on us in the morning when we got up and we'd work all day with us and not complain. Why While we were there, we got to visit New Salem, which is a congregation there in Bogota, which I had not been to before. But Brother Wayne Galloway was there preaching. That's maybe some of you know him. He's an elder and preacher in Kentucky. And him and his wife take two to three months a year and rent an apartment down there. And uh, he preaches down there. He's teaching an excellent set of lessons on unity, which I've done 
more concerned about recently than I used to be. I think we are so fractured as a country, and that cannot help but invade the church. And we need to fight against that. We need to, so I would recommend that you look for his lessons. His name again is Wayne Galloway. I'm planning to listen to them myself. I'm very proud of that. It's really good. Uh, we moved on from there to uh, Albert's home. Albert is the guy in the, uh, on the motorcycle there in the right hand. That's a picture from last year when we were still wearing masks. Uh, Albert lives in Montalivino. Montalivino is one of what they call the red zones. Those are areas that are controlled by the guerrillas. We've previously always been able to go in and out of there. This was the first year we were not able to go to his hometown. It just wouldn't allow us. The church members would not allow us to travel. Not sure what's going on, but their word's good enough for me. If I'm not supposed to be there, I'm not supposed to be there. He has, in recent times, gotten so that he works further and further out into the jungle. Uh, the church in Anderson was able to purchase this motorcycle for him two or three years ago, and he was telling me this time it's become a problem because he's so far out now there aren't roads, and he's in need of a dirt bike. So he's looking for a way to fund that and to replace it. Uh, the group on the left was a group of evangelicals that we studied with. Uh, something is happening in the evangelical church in South America that they're dissatisfied with. I can't tell you what it is. But they are willing to study if you're willing to teach them from the Bible. And they believe that you have to go to the Bible for truth. So... That ground is just right for harvest. There have been several people baptized in the last few years and brought over into the Lord's body. And uh, that is happening there. I'm just so thankful for that. We ate at Albert's home. That's in his backyard. And I want to mention those two girls down at the, uh, the lower right-hand side there. I can't remember their names at the moment. I don't want to take time to look them up. As you can tell, I'm winning this without my notes. Twelve and fourteen, if I remember right, that about right, right? And these are the neighbor's kids. Albert inherited this piece of property out in the country. As a little shack of a house, he built a one-room, what we would call a great room in our terms. It doesn't look so great when you see it. You'll see it in a minute. Along the side of his house, so that the church could worship there. And he had three churches that were meeting in these little villages, all within twenty minutes of it. So he brought them all together in this one place and has formed a congregation there that is worshiping together on Sundays. And the neighbor girls have gotten to know them and they come over and they learn to cook from his wife and they spend time with her and they learn in the Bible to their every worship service and they serve dinner to us that day. Uh, I'm going to end this again by talking about trying to reach other people. There are so many ways to reach other people. It's not just knocking on doors and saying you want to study the Bible. It's being nice to everybody around you. It just amazes me to see those girls doing that, uh, bringing their own Bibles and coming to church. He also has a study that he does on the bank of the river. About a, it was last year when I was there. There were five people that were attending that worship or that Bible study, let's say. Just meeting on the bank of the river with a little sheet metal shelter over their heads where somebody would let them uh, be on their property. There are now meeting there about 50 people. And if you have been baptized into our Lord, and it's all just by walking into a strange town and saying, will you study Bible with me tonight? 
We went to Sour Green, which was a, a place that uh, I went the first time I went. The preacher has passed away and had a new preacher there. No one's going to talk more about that tonight. It's a good place to go in that I have a lot of friends and I love it there, but it's difficult to see what's happening there. Men, one of these days your leaders are going to fail. That's the way the world is. They're either going to misstep and walk away, or they're going to die and move on to their reward. And I would challenge each of you today, think about who's going to step up. Because there's not somebody really stepping up in that town. There are really good things still going on. And I'll let no one tell you about that. But, uh, it's just... I have loved ones there. <laughs> so I, I love these. Uh, this is the widow of the preacher that passed away. Her name is George. And the endless photographs. You would have thought no one and I were rock stars there. They just love to be together. Back to Albert's house for the second worship service on our last Sunday. Those are the two main families there. Albert and Martha. Albert leading that congregation. And Vladimir and Marty Lewis, who I was privileged to be in Columbia when she was baptized three years ago. Um, they are rock solid. The church and Robert Lugger met in their backyard until these two groups came together. And they become very special. In the middle of that picture on your left, um, Santiago and Katie. Santiago has the light colored pants on. He has the long skirt on. This was last year, and they had questions about the Bible, and they asked for us to study with them. And so, boy, they just had all kinds of questions about how do you be saved? And as we talked about that, Santiago interrupted the class and said, I'm lost, aren't I? If I die tonight, I'm lost. And it just struck me to see that come to his heart in such a sudden and blunt way. Well, they're both baptized now, and they're married now, and they're active members of this new congregation. And it was just, it was great to see that. Uh, that is the room that Albert built on the side of that little house that they have. Uh, when we went out to study at the river study where I told you about in Caracas, which is just a few miles from there, uh, there was a, a lady there that wanted to study with us also, and she wanted to talk about baptism. So the group all went in where they were going to study, and she stayed out in the street with us for a few minutes, and we talked about why would a person be baptized? What's the reason for baptism? And why do you want to do it? And all the things that you all do when somebody says, I want to be baptized, and you're not sure if you know what they want to be baptized. So we asked these questions. She said, I'll be there tomorrow morning, and I will be baptized. True to her word, uh, she showed up. They had a tank buried in the backyard for a water system they're working on. And they filled that with rain water that they collected off the roof. And uh, we were able to use a ladder to come down there. And that time, Nubia, your newest sister in the town of Berlin, Columbia. I want to go back for just a second to talk about this thing. Vladimir, Marty Luz, Jesus, and Michelle. If you just looked at those pictures and tried to imagine what their life is like, they look like they could sit on a row right here in this congregation and you wouldn't think anything about it, would you? They just look like they belong here. 
As a matter of fact, I would look at that picture and I would think, they're pretty wealthy, probably. And they're dressed well. They are poorer than dirt. Their house is very tiny. Dirt floors, bare block walls. Her kitchen is made mostly of limbs off the trees. They're faithful to the Lord, and they're serving this, and they're putting their best foot forward, uh, and they just bring all kinds of encouragement to me. In Anderson this year, we've been talking about how to grow the church. We pick a theme each year. I don't know if you all do that here or not, but we do. And our theme this year has to do with how are we going to grow the church? Because we've observed that there are churches of Christ in the United States in places not all that different from where we are that are growing. And there are churches that are not growing. And there are churches that are growing. And we're trying to figure out why. And so for the last half of last year and all of this year, that's been pretty much all I think about when I'm thinking about the church. We started out our study this year in Anderson by looking at the Great Commission. And the first thing in the Great Commission is go, right? What does that mean? Does that mean go to Colombia, Brazil, Peru? I know most of you can't do that, by the way. I used to sit where you are and feel guilty because I couldn't or I didn't. And I, I don't want you to feel that today at all. I don't want you to feel guilty for not going to Colombia. But I want you to feel guilty for not going. I don't know what go means in everybody's life. I know what it means in my life because I have my opportunities and I have to fulfill them. But I tell you what it doesn't mean. It doesn't seem mean to lay on your couch and watch Andy Griffith. That's not what it means to say that. It may just mean get out in your backyard and work on your yard and talk to your neighbor across the fence and invite you to come to church on Sunday. But we need to figure it out, don't we? We need to figure out what we're supposed to do. That plane on the right, is that sunset or sunrise? Unless I tell you which way the plane's going, you don't know, do you? And even then, you might not be able to figure it out. Look at the other picture. Is this the beginning or the end of this work? Maybe for knowing it's the beginning. Maybe for me it's the end. Maybe I'm going to go back again. But it could just as easily be the beginning for me, couldn't it? I'm only 67 years old. Don't lie. And I might live to be quite a bit older. And I can start something new today. I can't fix what I didn't do in the past. But I can work on the future. You remember we started by those lines at Kings Island? I probably should have told you. That's the way this lesson is this morning. That's the end of my report and the beginning of my sermon. <clears throat> Why are churches growing? Same thing's happening in Colombia. Some are growing, some are shrinking. Why? We need to get that figured out. If this congregation is going to persist and be here for 
your children and your grandchildren in the future? We've got to figure out what keeps a church together, what makes it grow, what brings new people in. In some ways, they're no different than us down there. Um, But I'll tell you one thing I've noticed. They're used to giving all. You know that story about the widow's mites? They give their last dollar. They often host people in their homes for meals knowing it's the last food they have. I don't even know if I would do that. You remember that story? Excuse me. Christ was walking along the road with his disciples. And they were arguing, who's the greatest? Can you imagine having that discussion? In the presence of Jesus Christ, and you and I are going to argue about who's the greatest. Talk about a dumb argument. They're not like us, something. We get all told ourselves. And Jesus walks up and says, What are y'all talking about? Now that's awkward, isn't it? That should be the definition of awkward right there. <laughs> we don't want to tell you. Because we were arguing about who's the greatest. And Jesus says this to them. If you want to be first, you must be last of all and servant of all. Sometimes I think the church of the Jesus Christ is failing because we have forgotten to be last of all and servant of all. And people see right through us when when they walk in. If we're just a club and we only talk to our friends at church, visitors know. Have you ever been on vacation and visited a church where people didn't talk to you? You know right away something is not right here. And you don't have to know anything about the Lord to know that. To know that you're not welcome there. They're not interested in you. They're interested in themselves. Sometimes we get to thinking, this doesn't seem like such a big deal. Especially when things aren't going very well. I'll tell you what, if you don't think this is a big deal being here today, You are so mistaken. You are so confused. This is not a movement with a purpose. There are a lot of those. This is the purpose of life. This assembly here this morning is the only thing in the world that matters this morning. The World Health Organization doesn't matter. What the president is deciding doesn't matter. Whether Congress passes a budget or not does not matter. Whether the war in Russia and Ukraine ends does not matter. In comparison to what's going on here today, this is the only thing that carries into eternity. I want to tell you a story from Matthew 13, 44. It's one of the shortest parables. And he talks about the kingdom of heaven. He's teaching his disciples about the kingdom. This is the kingdom, right? We are the kingdom. The ones that have committed our lives to Jesus Christ and gather together to worship on Sunday morning. We are the kingdom of God. 
And he says in this verse, verse 44, the kingdom of heaven is like treasure hidden in a field, which a man found and covered up. Then in his joy, he goes and sells all that he has and buys the field. I really like that story. I've got some questions about it. I wish there was more. What was he doing in somebody else's field? Why was he digging up treasure in somebody else's field? He appears a little dishonest to me. He covers it back up and goes and tells the guy I want to buy the field. He doesn't tell him there's a treasure there, does he? But that's not the point of the story. The point of the story is given in three lessons, I think. And those are the three things we want to talk about before we quit. The kingdom is hidden. It was hidden in that field. It wasn't obvious it was there. How is the kingdom of God hidden? Well, there are several ways. One comes from Isaiah 53 when it talks about Jesus Christ himself. He had no beauty, no form. He wasn't majestic that we should desire him, depending on how your translation reads. That's the kind of thing. He was just an ordinary guy from Galilee, a carpenter's kid. He's the savior of the world. That's hard for people to accept. I had an atheist on the job with me one time. I was discussing the Lord with him. And I can't even quote the whole thing he said because it's not appropriate for this gathering. But he essentially said, if I'm going to pick a man out to devote my life to and to follow, I'm not going to pick some stinking Jew. And that's the nicest way I can say what he said because it wasn't near that nice. It's not the kind of Savior we're looking for. It's hidden in the message also. People want to convolute the message and make it difficult and make it all about all kinds of things. And it is this simple story of you imitate what Jesus did in his sacrifice of his life. And you do that in the watery grave of baptism. And that's how you get your sins washed away and you dedicate your life to serve him. And it's just a simple message. And in my way of thinking, that's it. That's what gives me eternal life. It's hidden in a message that doesn't seem all that spectacular. And it's hidden in you guys, too. I mean, really. Who in the world is going to save all the people? You guys? I don't want to be insulting, but you're not the best looking group of people. I've, I've watched the Emmys before. There's some classy looking people in that crowd. <laughs> really? We're just kind of ordinary folks, right? The New Testament says the church is the pillar and the buttress of the truth. We are the ones that hold up the truth for the world. If there is nobody in the church, there is nobody holding up the truth for this community. Our salvation is hidden in this group. And we can keep it hidden, can't we? Or we can reveal it to other people. Second lesson, the kingdom fills us with joy. What did that guy do when he found that treasure in that field? He sold everything he had. Everything. <coughs> can you imagine what was in that box he found? I don't know what it was. For me to sell my home and my motorcycle. <laughs> the kids. No, I wouldn't sell the kids. He was filled with such joy, he was willing to give it all up. And we're the kingdom. 
We've found that treasure, right? So when somebody as a guest walks in today and they meet you, is that what they see filled with joy? So happy to be here. I, I see people sometimes on Facebook and all I ever see is I'm so burdened and I'm so weighed down and I'm so this or that. And I want to shake them and say, you're sitting next to a person in church whose life is 10 times more difficult than yours and they don't ever talk about it. All they talk about is the joy they have in coming to church on Sunday. How we portray ourselves in the world de determines whether they're going to be interested in this or not. And when you get that visitor off the street, you probably only get one shot to make that impression on them. Josh has been lecturing us up home recently about a five-minute rule. Take the first five minutes and don't talk to your friends. Look for somebody that's never been there before and go to, or somebody that's hurting. Why aren't we filled with joy over being in the God kingdom? I think it's because we don't realize what's coming in the end. We haven't valued that enough. If I gave you a million dollars today, I said, it's in the bank. All you got to do is go sign the papers and pick it up. <clears throat> and on the way to the bank, the engine blew up in your old car. Are you going to be angry about that? I don't think so. I got a million dollars in the bank. I'll have a new car tomorrow. Anyone I want, by the way. If we knew the value of what was coming, we wouldn't be upset about the daily things. What if your life's not going so well and I offer you a job? And I say, all you have to do is seal 500 envelopes a day. Not the peeling stick ones. The ones you have to live. You want that job? Probably not. What if I told you I'd give you $100 an envelope at the end of the day? Can I have 600 <laughs> That's what I would say. Because the value when it's realized makes us appreciate what we have today. And I think we sit here in our weekly assemblies and we come, become jaded about the value of that gift. We already talked about that at the collection today, didn't we? If we appreciated the value of that gift, wow, we wouldn't ever give up, even in difficult times. And the third lesson is the kingdom is so valuable that you give up everything else in your life. That sounds like a cult, doesn't it? <laughs> We're accused of being a cult sometimes. So I have to sell my car and give the money to Brother Tommy, right? That's what I have to do if I become a... No, that's not what it means. I heard it explained this way. The Lord lets you keep your car, but you don't get to decide where it goes anymore. So you're going through your life and you're reading your Bible, or the preacher's preaching to you, and you hear this message, don't go there, Vernon. You don't belong there. You need to turn around on that path. You've gone far enough on that path. It's still our car. 
but we're not in charge anymore. And that's the way our whole life is. It's true of our homes also. Yeah, you can have a nice home in this world. Use it to serve the Lord. Don't use it to serve yourself. You can have money if you'll put it to work for the Lord. Time? You can have more time. Use it to serve the Lord. Your family, your children, everything in your life, your view of it should change when you become a member of the kingdom of the Lord. Here's what I think I figured out. In a place where the church is growing, you're going to find people sharing the simple message of truth. And if you don't, that's not the kingdom. You're going to find people filled with joy over what God has given them. You're going to find people who have committed everything in their life to serving the Lord. Where people are so busy serving, they don't have time to worry about who's the greatest and argue about that. Where they're revealing in their daily lives the kingdom to people who have no idea what they're missing. People in this country, this world today, are searching for peace and hope and love and acceptance and they're looking in all the wrong places. And you guys have it right here. They're so filled with joy they cannot keep silent. One of the things we've been talking about at home this year is why isn't this speech about our Lord and Savior, why doesn't it just bubble out of us all the time? For some reason, we've suppressed it. Maybe for you it's fear. Maybe it's fear of rejection. Maybe it's the way people are being shut down in the world today, if you say something that the world disagrees with. And we think we have to have this special speech ready to talk to somebody, right? That's, that's not what they need. They need you to show on your face how happy you are about your life because of what this book says. And there are 101 ways you can share it or get somebody else to share it with them. They just need you to invite them, to encourage them. Filled with, the church kingdom is filled with people so focused on the kingdom that other things in their life are not a distraction for them. When that co-worker says, let's go do this on Wednesday night. Sometimes, I, in, in the past I've thought to myself, I ought to go with them because I could be an influence on them. But I can influence them a whole lot more by saying, I, I've dedicated Wednesday nights to Bible study and that's where I'll be tonight. And if they're interested in things of the Lord, that's going to make a, an impact on them. Nolan and I got in trouble right before we left Columbia. Santiago reprimanded us. He's never done that before that I can think of. Our translator, our friend, our beloved Santiago, he said, I've gotten tired of this. You guys travel with a backpack, the book bag kind, not the big one you're using in mind, and a suitcase. Y'all don't need a suitcase. 
You need to learn to travel light. I'm thinking to myself, how do you do that? He says you need one pair of jeans in there, plus the pair you have on, and eight or ten shirts and three pair of underwear, and that's really all you need. Maybe the shirts and underwear are backwards, if you ask me, but... I got to thinking about that after I got home. I'm trying to figure out how to do it, so I think about it a lot. Are you packing light as you travel through this world? I can tell you I'm not. I've got too much junk, too many things. I've got more broken things that I need to repair than I could repair in two lifetimes. I'm not traveling light. And every one of those things is a distraction from serving the kingdom. We need to learn to travel light. Maybe you're here this morning and you're ready to commit your life to the Lord in baptism. And you've never done that. Or maybe you're here and you've just become distracted by this life. And let the daily hassles take over your thought process such that you're not really serving and you're not sharing. Whatever it is that you need in order to recommit yourself to our Savior or to commit yourself for the first time, please come and take care of that as we sing the invitation song.